0: Hello, and welcome to Sound Sleep, a storytelling podcast with curated audio, specifically designed to improve the quality of your sleep. I'm your host, Adam. Thanks for joining me. Did you know there are even more stories in the Sound Sleep premium feed? Well, you can support this podcast and listen to ad-free episodes, bonus episodes, and get early releases, all for just a dollar a week. Subscribe from either Apple Podcasts or Supercast, and listen directly in your favorite podcast player. It's quick and easy go to com, or look in the show notes for more information. And thanks so much for your continued support. This next story was so much fun to read. I hope you enjoy it too. If you'd like to tell me what you think, feel free to let me know with a review and a rating, or send me a message on Instagram or in the Facebook group. I truly love to hear from you. Creating a pre-bedtime routine is also important to help your brain wind down. This is where listening to a podcast may work to your advantage when it comes to falling asleep. It's a paired response. If you do the exact same things before you go to bed, including listening to a podcast, then your brain knows that it's getting ready for sleep. All of the audio you hear in this podcast is uniquely curated with methods that promote healthy and quality sleep. with. Check out one of my favorites, Dreamful. Jordan has an amazing selection of the best stories, and perfectly pairs them with music that she personally selects. You'll be snoozing in no time to Pride and Prejudice. The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, Or you could easily get hooked on her 12-part Constellation series. Check out Dreamful wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is sponsored by Coach Me Greg. If you're like me, you have a lot of big ideas and plans. You want to be productive and get fulfillment out of your life. And if you're like me, you may feel like sometimes you need a little help to be your best, to keep you on target and motivated so you can achieve what you set out to do. So if you're like me, well, then you should go to CoachMeGreg.com. I've received tremendous value from working with Greg. He's easy to talk with, and there's no judgment. I can count on him to help me find the best solution and schedule. He makes everything very easy, and I find it very helpful to have someone I can trust working with me and rooting for me as I try to get the most out of life that I can. Go to CoachMeGreg.com. Schedule your free consultation today. Let's take a minute to begin to unwind. Put your attention on your breathing for the next few moments. Feel the natural soothing rhythm as you try to slow down your breath. The inhale is deep and full. The exhale is refreshing and relaxing, like waves coming and going on an ocean shoreline. Your breathing keeps everything in balance and flow. And it's a great way to find calm, peace, and comfort as you wind down for the night. So, as you lay in bed salt water. And exhale. As we begin our story, allow the essence of the waves to carry you into a deep and sound sleep whenever you are ready. Ceres, and Proserpine. In the island of Sicily, high up among the mountains, there was once a beautiful valley called the Valley of Enna. It was seldom that a human being, even a shepherd, climbed so high. But the goats, being able to climb by the steepest and most slippery paths over the roughest rocks, knew well what soft, sweet grass grew there. Sheep too, and sometimes wild swine found their way to this spot, not another mountain valley anywhere was quite like this one. It was never visited by any of the winds, except Zephyrus, who was always mild and gentle. The grass was always green, and the flowers were always in bloom, there were shady groves On every side, and numberless fountains of sprinkling water. It would have been hard to find a pleasanter spot. This valley of Enna was the home of Ceres, the Earth Mother, one of the wisest of the goddesses. In fact, The valley owed its beauty to the presence of Ceres, and the wonderful vegetation which covered the whole island of Sicily was due to her influence. For she was the goddess of all that grows out of the earth, and knew the secret of the springing wheat and the ripening fruits. She watched over the flowers, the lambs in the fields, and the young children. The springs of water, too, which came from hidden places of the earth, were hers. One day, Proserpine, the little daughter of Ceres, was playing in the meadows of Enna Her hair was as yellow as gold, and her cheeks had the delicate pink of an apple blossom. She seemed like a flower among the other flowers of the valley. She and the daughters of the valley nymphs, who were children of about her own age, had taken off their sandals and were running about on the soft grass in their bare feet. They were as light-hearted as the little lambs and kids. Soon, they began to gather the flowers that grew so thick on every side. Violets, hyacinths, lilies, and big purple irises they filled their baskets, and then their dresses, and twisted long sprays of wild roses around their shoulders. Suddenly, Proserpine saw a flower which made her forget everything else. This flower seemed to be a strange, new kind of Narcissus. It was of gigantic size, and its one flower stalk held at least a hundred blossoms. Its fragrance was so powerful that it filled the entire island, and might be noticed even out at sea. Proserpine called to her playmates to come and see this wonderful flower, and then she noticed, for the first time, that she was alone, for she had wandered from one flower to another, till she had left the other children far behind. Running quickly forward to pick this strange blossom, she saw that its stalk was spotted Like a snake, and feared that it might be poisonous. Still, it was far too beautiful a flower to be left by itself in the meadow, and she therefore tried to pluck it. When she found that she could not break the stalk, she made a great effort to pull the whole plant. By the roots. All at once, the black soil around the plant loosened, and Proserpine heard a rumbling underneath the ground. Then the earth suddenly opened. Great black cavern appeared, and out from its depths sprang four magnificent. Black horses, drawing a golden chariot. In the chariot sat a king, with a crown on his head, but under the crown was the gloomiest face ever seen. When this strange king saw Proserpine standing there by the flower, too frightened to run away, he checked his horses for an instant, and bending forward, snatched the poor girl from the ground, and placed her on the seat by his side. Then he whipped up his horses, and drove away, at a furious rate. Proserpine, still holding fast to her flowers, screamed for her mother. Helios, the sun god, saw how the gloomy-faced king had stolen Proserpine away. And Hecate, who sat nearby in her cave, heard the scream and the sound of wheels no one else had any suspicion of what had happened. Ceres was far away across the seas in another country, overlooking the gathering in of the harvests. She heard Proserpine scream, and like a seabird, when it hears the distressed cry of its young, Rushing home across the water. She filled the valley with the sound of her calling, but no one answered to the name of Proserpine. The strange flower had disappeared. A few roses lay scattered on the grass, and near them were a child's footprints. Ceres felt sure that these were the traces of Proserpine's little bare feet, but she could not follow them far because a herd of swine had wandered that way and left a confusion of hoof prints behind them. Ceres could learn nothing about her daughter from the nymphs. She sent out her own messenger a big white crane that brings the rain, but although he could fly very swiftly and very far on his strong wings, he brought back no news of Proserpine. When it grew dark, the goddess lighted two torches at the flaming summit of Mount Etna and continued her search. She wandered up and down for nine days and nine nights. On the tenth night, when it was nearly morning, she met Hecate, who was carrying a white light in her hand, as if she too were looking for something. Hecate told Ceres, how she had heard Proserpine scream, and had heard the sound of wheels, but had seen nothing. Then, she went with the Goddess to ask Helios, the Sun God, whether he had not seen what happened that day, for the Sun God travels around the whole world and must see everything. Ceres found Helios sitting in his chariot, ready to drive his horses across the sky. He held the fiery creatures in for a moment, while he told Ceres that Pluto, the king of the underworld, had stolen her daughter, and had carried her away to live with him in his dark palace. When Ceres heard this, she knew that Proserpine was lost to her, and she kept away from the other gods and hid herself in the dark places of the earth. She liked to keep away from the earth's people as well as from the gods for wherever she went. She was sure to see some happy mother with her children around her, and the sight made her feel very lonely. She sometimes envied the poorest peasants, or even the little bird mothers in the trees. One day, she sat down by the side of the road, near a well, in the shade of an olive tree. While she was sitting there, the four daughters of Celius, carrying golden pitchers on their shoulders, came down from their father's palace to draw water, seeing a sad old woman sitting by the well. They spoke to her in a kindly way, not wishing them to know that she was a goddess. Ceres told the four young princesses that she had been carried away from her home by pirates, and had escaped from being sold for a slave by running away the instant that the pirates' ship reached the shore. I am old and a stranger to everyone here, she said, but I am not too old to work for my bread. I could keep house or take care of a young child. Hearing this, the four sisters ran eagerly back to the palace and asked permission to bring the strange woman home with them. Their mother told them that they might engage her as nurse for their little brother, Demaphon. Therefore, Ceres became an inmate of the house of Seleus, and the little Demaphon flourished wonderfully under her care. Ceres soon learned to love the human baby who was her charge and she wished to make him immortal. She knew only one way of doing this, and that was to bathe him with ambrosia, and then, one night after another, place him in the fire until his mortal parts should be burned away. Every night she did this, without saying a word, to anyone. Under this treatment, Dimafun was growing wonderfully godlike, but one night, his mother being awake very late and hearing someone moving about, drew the curtains aside a very little and peeped out. There, before the fireplace, where a great fire was burning, stood the strange nurse with Demophon in her arms. The mother watched in silence until she saw Ceres place the child in the fire. Then she gave a shriek of alarm. The shriek broke the spell. Ceres took Demophon from the fire and laid him on the floor, then she told the trembling mother that she had meant to make her child immortal, but that now this could not be. He would have to grow old and die like other mortals, then, throwing off her blue hood she suddenly lost her aged appearance, and all at once looked very grand and beautiful. Her hair, which fell down over her shoulders, was yellow, like the ripe grain in the fields. Dimafun's mother knew, by these signs, that her child's nurse must be the Great Ceres. But she saw her no more, for the goddess went out into the dark night. After this, Ceres continued her lonely wandering, not caring where she went. One day, as she stooped to drink from a spring, Abbas, a freckled boy who stood near, mocked her because she looked sad and old. Suddenly, he saw Ceres stand up very straight with a look that frightened him. Then he felt himself growing smaller and smaller until he shrunk into a little speckled water newt when he made haste to hide himself away under a stone. Unlike Abbas, most of the people whom Ceres met with felt sorry for her. One day, while she was sitting on a stone by the side of a mountain road in Greece, feeling very sorrowful, she heard a childish voice say, ''Mother, are you not afraid to stay all alone here on the mountain?'' Ceres looked up, pleased to hear the word Mother, and saw a little peasant girl standing near two goats that she had driven down from the mountain pastures. No, my child, said she, I am not afraid. Just then, out from among the trees came the little girl's father carrying a bundle of firewood on his shoulder. He invited Ceres to come to his cottage for the night. Ceres at first refused, but finally accepted the invitation. You are happier than I, said Ceres. As the three walked toward the cottage, you have your little daughter with you, but I have lost mine. Alas, I have sorrow enough, said the peasant. I fear that my only son, Triptolemus, lies dying at home. Let us hope that he may yet be cured, said Ceres. And stooping, she gathered a handful of poppies. Soon they came into the little cottage where they found the mother beside herself with grief for her boy. Ceres bent over the child and kissed him softly on both cheeks. As she did so, the poppies in her hands brushed lightly against his face. Then his groans ceased, and the child fell into a quiet sleep. In the morning... Kryptolemus woke strong and well, and when Ceres called her winged dragons and drove away through the clouds, she left a happy and grateful family behind her. All this time, while Ceres had been mourning for a little lost proserpine, She had neglected to look after the little seeds that lay in the brown earth. The consequence was that these little seeds could not sprout and grow, therefore there was no grain to be ground into flour for bread. Not only the seeds, but all growing things missed the care of Mother Ceres. The grass turned brown and withered away. The trees in the olive orchards dropped their leaves, and the little birds all flew away to a distant country. Even the sheep that fed among the water springs in the valley of Enna grew so thin that it was pitiful to see them. Jupiter saw that without Ceres, the Great Mother, there could be no life on the Earth. In time, all men and animals would die for lack of food. He therefore told Iris to set up her rainbow bridge in the sky and to go quickly down to the dark cave where Ceres mourned for Proserpine that she might persuade the goddess to forget her sorrow and go back to the fields where she was so much needed. Iris found Ceres sitting in a corner of her cave, among the shadows, wrapped in dark blue draperies that made her almost invisible. The coming of Iris lighted up every part of the cave, and set beautiful colors dancing everywhere. But it did not make Sari smile. After this, Jupiter sent the gods, one after another, down to the cave. But none of them could comfort the Earth Mother. She still mourned. Then. Jupiter sent Mercury down into Pluto's kingdom, to see whether he could not persuade that grim king to let Proserpine return to her mother. When Mercury told his errand to King Pluto, Proserpine jumped up from her throne, all eagerness to see her mother again, and Pluto, seeing how glad she was, could not withhold his consent. So, he ordered the black horses and the golden chariot brought out to take her back. But before she sprang to the chariot seat, he craftily asked her if she would not eat one of the pomegranates that grew in his garden. Proserpine tasted the fruit taking just four seeds, Then, the black horses swiftly carried Mercury and herself into the upper world and straight to the cave where Ceres sat. What a change! How quickly Ceres ran out of the cave when she heard her daughter's voice. No more mourning in shadowy places for her now. Proserpine told her mother everything. How she had found the wonderful Narcissus. How the Earth had opened, allowing King Pluto's horses to spring out. And how the Dark King had snatched her and carried her away. But my dear child, Ceres anxiously inquired. Have you eaten anything since you have been in the underworld? Proserpine confessed that she had eaten the four pomegranate seeds. In that, Ceres beat her breast in despair. And then once more appealed to Jupiter. He said that Proserpine should spend eight months of every year with her mother, but would have to pass the other four, one for each pomegranate seed, in the underworld with Pluto. So Ceres went back to her beautiful valley of Enna, and to her work in the fields. The little brown seeds that had lain asleep so long sprouted up and grew. The fountains sent up their waters, the brown grass on the hills became green, the olive trees and the grapevines put out new leaves, the lambs and the kids throve, and skipped about more gaily than ever, and all the hosts of little birds came back with the crane of Ceres to lead them. During the eight months that Proserpine was with her, Ceres went about again among her peasants, standing near the men, while they were threshing the grain, helping the women to bake their bread, and having a care over everything that went on. She did not forget the peasant family of Greece in whose cottage she had been invited to pass the night, and where she had cured little Triptolemus. She visited this family again and taught the young Triptolemus how to plow, to sow, and to reap, like the peasants of her own Sicily. The time came when Proserpine was obliged to go back to King Pluto. Then Ceres went and sat among the shadows in the cave, as she had done before. All nature slept for a while, but the peasants had no fear now. For they knew that Proserpine would surely come back, and that the great Earth Mother would then care for our children again.